when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Any idiot can say whatever they want, and they usually do, and they're negative. And all I see, to me, I've gotten to a point now when I see things like that, I feel sorry that those people feel that way, that their lives don't have the purpose, the passion, and the excitement and the enjoyment that some of us do. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sunbelt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. Talk about the reception you receive from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. I said in my press conference back in December that I didn't feel like there was anything in South Carolina that we lacked to be a championship program, that we had everything that we needed. I am even more convinced of that now after being there for seven months. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm flying solo for this show. Cousin Shane couldn't make it on this one. He'll be back on the next episode. But, hey, if he's not drinking one, I'll do it for him. Yeah. I got to be honest with you guys, though. This is not a real beer. This is a root beer. Uh, I am not at the point to where I can handle alcohol and edit these videos. So, hey, I'll be drinking the real thing once the season arrives, but not at this point just yet. Uh, once again, I do appreciate all the, the support we've been getting on the YouTube and everything like that. Uh, numbers are going through the roof. So, hey, another great way to, to sponsor the show. Get us some merchandise. I'm wearing the, uh, I'm wearing the Arkansas shirt today. You can find that over at uh, T Public. People keep asking how they can support the show. Well, we've also got we got merchandise. I started to put koozies out. Probably should have done that from day one. Got my Arkansas koozie. Got my Arkansas shirt. You can get uh, shirts like this. We got shirts for every single team over at our uh, T Public site, and that uh, the the show notes will have that uh, location in there, the link to our store and everything like that. So. Any and all help, we certainly do appreciate. Help grow the show. Really trying to take this thing to the next level this season. Hey, that's enough about me promoting this damn thing. You guys showed up for a show, and we got a great one for you. Tons of clips. Uh, But before we get into the actual news uh, around the SEC, I don't want to say I created some news of my own, but I was recently on uh, Texag's radio with uh, David Nuno, and... You know, had a little hot take on the show. Let's kick it over to just this little clip. You know, and hey, you talk about hate mail. I'll, I'll pick some up right right here out the, on my way out. But I keep seeing all these lists with uh, Jimbo Fisher, far and away better coach than Ed Orgeron. And I know LSU was a disaster last year, but heading into that, he was 45 and 10 in his time at LSU. So I take exception to people that think Coach O is, uh, you know, some horrible coach that can't get it done. I think he's one of the best in college football. He's right up there with Jimbo Fisher. Right up there? Right up there? I got him right up there. History? Longevity? 
what Jimbo's <laughs> able to do, you know, and his, his what own- he's done at LSU though is has been very very impressive. Okay. Um, I, I, I would take Jimbo a hundred times out of a hundred, but, uh, Michael, Hey, I appreciate your time. Uh, we all have opinions and this is the, I figured I'd get this kind of reaction from him talking about, uh, Coach O and Jimbo and kind of having them eye to eye, but I don't know. I just really think that uh, we all get caught up in, you know, what just, what we just saw, what just happened 2020, of course, disaster for LSU, the best season yet of the Jimbo Fisher era at Texas A&M. So very, very easy to see why people having Jimbo Fisher as a better coach from Ed Orgeron. And I'm not even necessarily saying that's inaccurate because Jimbo Fisher does have a long track record of success, won a national championship at Florida State. He's got Texas A&M basically knocking on the door of another one or at least an SEC title. You got it. But of course, if you win that SEC title, you're right in the thick of it for the national title. So broke down a couple of the numbers here. Between Ed Ogeron and Jimbo Fisher, I'm going to go Fisher first. 26-10 and 10 overall at Texas A&M, 17-8 in the SEC. Now he's 3-0 in bowl games, and here's how his Texas A&M teams have finished in the division under his leadership, second, fourth, and second. Now you can debate the order of these, but I've kind of also uh, gotten together his biggest wins, beating Florida last year number four in the team in the nation, beating number 13 North Carolina in the Orange Bowl last year. That was a big one. And LSU in 2018, the seven-overtime game. I'm not trying to totally discredit the rest of this guy's, what would that be, 15 SEC wins, but look at some of his SEC wins on the road since coming over to Texas A&M. He's beaten South Carolina in 2018 on the road, Ole Miss in 2019 in Oxford, and then they fired Matt Luke right after that. Uh, and then last season's really kind of where he got it rolling. Beat Mississippi State in Starkville. Again, won at South Carolina in 2020. Of course, they fired Will Muschamp. Uh, won on the road at Auburn. Of course, they fired Gus Malzahn. And then at Tennessee, last game, regular season game. And then Tennessee turned around and fired Jeremy Pruitt. So, I mean, when you look at it like that, uh, he it's not like he Jimbo Fisher is winning a ton of road games here in the SEC. Now, uh, Let's be fair to him. It's only been three seasons. He's got uh, plenty of opportunities this upcoming season. Now let's kick it over to Coach O. 45-14 and 14 overall, 28-12 and 12 in the SEC. So those records are looking better than Fisher. 3-1 and one in bowl games, one SEC championship, one national championship. Uh, here's how Coach O's teams at LSU finished in the division under his leadership. Second, third, second, first, fourth so you're seeing a more consistency from Jimbo we'll give him the edge there I think it's a little not consistent enough for LSU fans but hell second again second third second first and fourth pretty damn good and biggest wins of course national championship over Clemson beat Oklahoma in the playoff and beat Alabama on the road 2019 coach O's also 2-0 and against Georgia under Kirby Smart. And then last season, I'm not, uh, I continue to count that as a huge win, winning against Florida last season, 20 something point underdog. Gators were looking playoff bound, lost with a true freshman, Max Johnson, starting on the road, first game ever. So, you know, again, not necessarily saying that uh, Coach Ogeron is the greatest coach in the country or anything like that, and Jimbo Fisher's terrible. People always. <laughs> 
seem to read that into these here, these debates, if you will. But I think they're pretty even at this point. Now, maybe next season goes a long way to determining which one is the best coach. Coach O gets to host Jimbo. Head to head, these coaches are two and one, with uh, the seven overtime being the the edge there for Jimbo. You know, neck and neck. So I mean, you could almost say they're dead even. Of course, the scoreboard says favor Jimbo just the slightly there. Uh, but I can't wait for this matchup, last game of the season in 2021, and I think it could decide the winner of the SEC West. But all right, that's enough about me spieling about uh, me getting in trouble with Aggie Lad there. Uh, let's kick it around the league. Now let's go around the league. My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm gonna wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should we should mix those games up, and you should um, you know play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. We'll start things off here in Columbia, South Carolina. Haven't talked uh, about the Gamecocks here in a little while, and, you know, we're all fired up about the Shane Beamer area. They're killing it on the recruiting trail and all the buzz. You hear all about this offense and, you know, it's going to be Joe Brady type offense. Who in the hell wouldn't want that offense, you know, mixed with uh, Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma system. So it all sounds great. But one thing, you know, we haven't really talked much about defensive coordinator Clayton White, uh, one of his defensive backs here, Jamar Brown, during a recent media availability, hyping up uh, the Gamecocks receivers and tight ends. But more importantly, he really did a number on this defense. Bold comments here from Brown. So let's kick it over to him. Again, this is uh, Jamar Brown of the Gamecocks. In coverage, I'm guessing you're probably mostly covering tight ends, running backs, those types of guys who are? Mm, everywhere, tight end, running back, receiver. Yeah, okay. Uh, who, who's, who are some of the tougher guys that maybe not necessarily for you to cover, but who are some of those those guys that uh, no, tend to give receivers like, are really good. Uh, I'm telling you, all our receivers are really good. All our receivers are really good. All our tight ends are very good. Nick Muse is very good. Jaheen Bell is very good. Kevion Mullins, EJ Jenkins, all of them are very good. So I can't really single out one person, but just know all of them are are very difficult to cover. You guys just finished practice number five. Um, What are some early returns on your impressions of Coach White's defensive scheme and some guys that are maybe standing out to you? No one will figure this defense out. Not one offense that we play will figure this defense out. This defense is, is is fun to play. It's fun to be in. It's it's complex. It's 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 all over the place. It's 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 really fun to play. It's really fun to play in. All right, so there you got it from Brown. And I know I've mentioned several times that uh, you know South Carolina with the schedule, the first half of the season, they've got a real chance to get some momentum built early in the season. And one thing maybe we've not spoken enough about is the fact that uh, with a brand new staff like this, I don't think hardly anyone knows what the Gamecocks have in Marcus Satterfield and Clayton White. And that's not necessarily, I'm not saying one way or another, it's uh, you know outstanding or 
terrible. I mean, it could be so anywhere in between that as well. But you know, that is an advantage that South Carolina is going to have early in the season with so many transfers being brought in, with new coaching staff. Uh, there's just no film on what the Gamecocks are going to be doing. So the schedule lines up well. I think South Carolina has certainly got the talent to compete early in the season next year. I keep saying it, four and two, five and one. Not necessarily predicting that. We have to things change quick. We'll we'll see how the Gamecocks look week one, week two. But right now, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of wins potentially on South Carolina's schedule early in the season. And the fact that here you got players touting up what this defense is going to look like, what some of these players on the offensive side are going to look like. You know, the momentum, positive buzz there in Columbia, South Carolina. All right, next let's kick it on down to Fayetteville. Woo pig! Where Arkansas linebacker coach Michael Scherer met with the media here recently. Some of his linebackers did as well. And, uh, you know, this is a guy that uh, last year was an analyst, followed Barry Odom to from Missouri to Arkansas, played at Missouri, one of the better players when uh, he was a veteran on that Missouri Tigers defense. And someone that, you, you know, you really need to keep your eye on because we remember Barry Odom, how well he did last season, and then all the buzz about, you know, all these job offers he had. He decided to stay with his friend Sam Pittman for at least another year. Michael Scherer, I'm not saying Barry Odom's got one foot out the door, certainly, or anything like that, but if he has another big season, you know, the job offers are going to keep coming. And before long, you know, he's going to get offered another head coaching job. He's going to keep getting offered defense coordinator job. So uh, this is a guy to keep your eye on, someone that knows Barry Odom's system through and through, and maybe he's a defensive coordinator before you know it. I know he's a very young guy, but someone that can really express uh, Odom's defense and vision and all that to the players. And he's got, uh, after years and years of us wondering, does Arkansas even got the linebackers to compete in the SEC? Now they got a bevy of them, and they're all experienced. They're all back. And even last year, they were playing hurt. So uh, let's kick it over to Michael Scherer. Uh, I really like these comments he had about uh, Grant Morgan and, and just the leadership they the Razorbacks get from him. On Bumper Pool, my goodness, a warrior this guy is. I had no idea. Broken ribs, over 100 tackles last season. Michael Scherer kind of digs into that. Grant Morgan, he's kind of a different guy in terms of, I mean, we've seen some leaders come through here before, but he's he just seems like he's got the whole package, even the background coming from a walk-on, just like, uh, you know, just got a great story and everything. Is he unique in terms of, you know, what you see uh, in terms of a guy that's, you know, a leader uh, for a team? Uh, yeah, well, uh, Grant makes my job very easy. Um, especially, you know, like this summer, I, I know if I say, hey, Grant, get the guys together, do this, 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 and this, it's going to get done. It's going to get done right. Um, and, and that's the same for all the seniors I have in my room. They're just great kids uh, and, and really good leaders. And, and everyone in the room looks up to them, and, and they do the right thing, and they play well. So, you know, Grant is, is not only the leader of our room, he's the leader of our team. Um, and that's just who he is. You know, it's what you see is what you get with him. So, uh, you know, he, he, he just – I can't say enough good things about him, to be honest with you. He he makes my life very easy. I think Sam last year described Hayden Henry as a kind of a throwback, old-school kind of player. What what do you like about him, and, and what jumps out to you about his playing style? Uh, exactly what you said. Um, he's really smart. He's an old-school throwback kid. He's tough. Uh, he loves to hit people. Um, you know, if you watch him out at practice, he, he's not far off of Bobby Boucher. He's just a little, little – he's just a little smarter. Um, 
But, uh, you know, he's just a really hardworking kid. He's a good kid, and uh, I, I love having him in our room. He's going to be a really good player for us this year. Michael Bumper was in here the other day and, and said, you know, he broke some ribs that second game, I guess, was against Mississippi State. And mm-hmm. Then he played, you know, all year and he had over 100 tackles. Yep. What do you think that says about, about him? I mean, he's a really tough kid. You know, I, it's just there, there were times last year where I had to kind of pull him back a little bit because it felt like, you know, like you say, he had busted ribs. He, this, you know, he, he missed the game. He missed the game because we had to pull him. We had to hold him back because he was banged up so much, you know. And, uh, you know, he's just a kid that's willing to do anything he possibly can for this team. And so, uh, you know, the last thing he's ever going to do is, is take himself out of something. And it's like, you know, he's one of those kids, as long as he can walk, he's going to go out there and play. So, it's just, you know, he's tough. He loves to play. He loves his teammates. Uh, it's just, you know, a great kid, great player. He's going to be really good this year. Bumper with his broken ribs. How how much does that affect a linebacker? I mean, does it make tackling more difficult? I mean, how does that? And then how, how much is it going to help that he's he seems to be fully healthy this year? Yeah, it's it's difficult. Imagine uh, imagine every time you cough, you feel like somebody's stabbing you in the back. Yeah, pretty rough, you know. So then imagine, you know, like you hit somebody and you get that same feeling like somebody's stabbing you, and your body just about goes numb. I think mean, you can look. There's a few times if you watch the Auburn game, there was a few times he met the running back in the hole. A play he makes a hundred out of a hundred, and he's got him wrapped up, and just his body just went numb. You know, it it happens. And so, uh, him being healthy is going to help him out a whole lot. And and you know, it's just that mixed with the competition we got going on right now. I mean, those guys are going to have a really good year. Hey, anytime one of these coaches is going to use a Bobby Boucher Waterboy reference, it's going to be featured on this show. So I just thought uh, the Razorback fans would love that. And then, hey, to add a little bit to it, Hayden Henry himself, uh, he spoke to the media after share. And my goodness, he was asked about these Bobby Boucher comments. It sounds like he's got the father of the year there. Hayden, Coach Share was just uh, describing your play as Bobby Boucher, but a lot smarter. Um, could you, I guess, describe your playing style, maybe where you picked up that from? Because Coach Pittman was saying last year you're kind of an old-school throwback guy. Um, I'll, I can thank my dad for that. I'll just say, I'll tell it as a story. Um, but when I was little, uh, we lived in Atlanta. And um, my dad, as crazy as this sounds, my dad would say, hey, if you make a kid cry today in practice – or you knock a kid out of practice or the game, I'll take you to Dairy Queen. And so I was like, all right, let's go. And so I would just try and go out there and just knock somebody out. And, uh, and then after practice, I'd go up to him and, Dad, we're going to Dairy Queen. We're going to Dairy Queen. I knocked somebody out today. So I think that's just kind of translated into, uh, you know, my college play. But I also think the game's meant to be played a certain way, and I appreciate individuals that play it that way. And uh, I think it's a hard, fast, physical game, and uh, I think there's only one way to do it. Aiden, what, what was your go-to thing at Dairy Queen uh, when your dad would take you there after you made somebody cry? Oreo Blizzard, always Oreo Blizzard. Are you still a Dairy Queen guy? Can't you tell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, talking about it. hey, love Dairy Queen, but I'll give you a little, a little hole in the wall little spot that not a not a lot of people know about Brahms no one goes to Brahms I love Brahms it's the best is that you have an NIL deal with them I don't I don't I should reach out to him honestly that's, that's a great you should idea. now oh my god 
So how great was that? I mean, my goodness, he gets Dairy Queen, but only if he knocks somebody out. When you raise your kid like that, obviously the toughness, but, uh, you know, the love these these players have for the Razorbacks. And, hey, we, they all say it during the offseason, but it's a little bit different when you got to keep in mind, what was he signing up for? He he wasn't signing up to, to go play for Sam Pittman on the up and up. Uh, you know, he was a guy that signed up, I believe, when uh, under Chad Morris when team was terrible. So, uh, you know, making these commitments to the Razorbacks, even when they're bad, you, you sure as hell know he's going to be a full Razorback through and through when they're winning as well. So guys like this, you're going to have to carry off the field if they have to come off. They are they are not coming off uh, willingly. So, uh, again, I think this is a, another positive sign here for the Razorbacks being led by guys like this. How could you not want to play for a guy like this that uh, is laying it all on the line? And, hell, even the coaches say they, they have to hold him back at times because, uh, I mean, he'll just gut through just about anything, even if, uh, you know, at times it's physically not helping on the field. So I really like these comments here from the, the Razorback group as camp is rolling there in Fayetteville. All right, next let's kick it on down to Rocky Top. We're a little bit of news here on the uh, quarterback competition here. Looks like it's down to three with uh, Brian Maurer, you know, nothing quite official just yet, but didn't show up to practice here on Wednesday, and that was after sending out some uh, cryptic messages on social media. So certainly looks like Brian Maurer out of the running and may not even be on the team anymore. Uh, so that means Joe Milton, Hendon Hooker, Harrison Bailey down to a three-man competition under center in Rocky Top. So just wanted to make that little note. And I think, uh, you know, if there was one quarterback, Tennessee fans – you don't want to lose any of them, but if one were to leave, I would think Brian Maurer would be the guy that uh, most people assumed it would be. And given the fact that Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton were brought in this offseason, I know Hendon Hooker was brought in under the previous coaching staff, but you know it's just all indications were Brian Maurer, probably the odd man out. But uh, now that uh, you know, we all know the story of Caden Salter dismissed from the team after multiple incidents. Uh, now we've got three scholarship quarterbacks here on Tennessee's roster, and you have to wonder, I mean, just in today's day and age of football, uh, when a starter is named, does that mean someone else is going to transfer out? I don't know. So just something to monitor there on Rocky Top, but that's not all we got for the Vols because uh, here on Wednesday, the program announced uh, an updated Jumbotron. The Vols have removed Jason Winton in exchange for Alvin Kamara. The great Tennessee running back now with the uh, New Orleans Saints, of course, one of the best players in the entire NFL. And, you know, I love this move all around. I mean, he's a more recent player. No no disrespect to Jason Winton, but I think most people at this point know Jason Winton from his time in the NFL and calling games for Monday Night Football. And I would think the vast majority of players and recruits didn't even know Jason Witten. Uh, well, even if they knew he played for Tennessee, they probably don't remember it. So Alvin Kamara, someone that they they know and love, and uh, I think it's great that uh, someone you know doesn't have to wait 50 years before they get put up on the stadium. If you excel in college, you excel in the NFL. Tennessee is going to honor you, and that's what they've done with Alvin Kamara. And speaking of being honored, Tennessee also announced uh, their Week Two matchup at home against Pitt. It's going to be the Johnny Majors game. So that Johnny Majors, of course, coached Pitt, coached Tennessee. And 
unfortunately passed away this uh, offseason. So uh, this is going to be a great way for Tennessee and Pitt to honor Johnny Majors. And there is some buzz that uh, there may be some throwback uniforms worn during that game for September 11th, Saturday in Neyland Stadium. So can't wait to see that. Can't wait to see all the uh, tributes to a legend, Johnny Majors. All right, final update on this show. Let's kick it all day to Oxford. Man, we had some bold talk here. This, you know, this is the best time of year. Everybody's undefeated. Everybody's thinking it's going to stay that way. Of course, it rarely does for hardly anybody. But optimism, man, this is the time for optimism. And I'm not here for people bashing any coaches or players or anything that are are not that are optimistic. I mean, this is the time for it. So I'm here for it. I think, uh, you know, listeners of this show know we try to be as optimistic as we can with just about every team. Even when teams we think are finishing dead last, we'll think to the positives there on their roster. So uh, let's kick it over to linebacker Lakia Henry, who thinks Ole Miss defense going to be one of the best in the SEC and the nation. How good do you think this defense can realistically be? I know the expectations are high and there's a lot of energy, but you know, there's a lot of really good offenses in this conference. And, you know, obviously things weren't great last year, but it seems like you guys are really excited. How, how good do you think this group can be? I think we can be the best defense in the SEC and the country. And I'm not saying that because it's Ole Miss or it's us. I'm saying that because I truly believe that with my heart. Now, again, before anyone piles on this kid, one of the better linebackers here on the, the Ole Miss roster here, which I know some of you probably laughed as soon as you saw this, but – and again, I'm not sitting here saying Ole Miss is going to be the best in the SEC on defense after what we saw last year. But, you know, let's not kid ourselves. Defense was down across the board last year. And then you're bringing in a new staff. Tackling was limited because of COVID. And no spring. I mean, it was a, it was set up to be a disaster across the board. So defenses should be better all across the country, not just in Oxford. But aside from that, because you can say that those same things I just said, with uh, just about any program in the country. Here's some of the things Ole Miss got going for him this year. 12 super seniors returning on defense alone. I'll say again, 12 super seniors returning for Ole Miss just on that defense. Otis Reese, of course, uh, the former Georgia safety, he's going to be eligible all season long. And he truly did make an impact when he came back for uh, Ole Miss last season, late in the year after finally gaining his eligibility. So now you got Otis Reese full season. Uh, we got some key starters here. Sam Williams, Momo Sanangu. And then don't forget this guy, sophomore edge, Demon Clowney, former LSU commit and the cousin of Jadavion Clowney. And, you know, last season it was incredibly tough for everybody, but I, it was especially tough on these freshmen. Uh, it was, you know, how could you have, truly came in to last year's situation and made a huge impact. I think Demon Clowney is going to be well-positioned to really make a name for himself in Oxford this year. And that's not it. I mean, they got four-star defensive lineman, Taiwan Malone, just incoming. He was the number one player from New Jersey, picked Ole Miss over Texas A&M. Uh, they got the top two junior college defensive tackles in the program now, just signed. This offseason, Isaiah Eaton and Jamon Gordon. So there's, I mean, right there, you got plenty of beef up the middle of the defense. And then here's something that uh, 
for whatever reason, I guess just because these things happened a long time ago, people dismiss them. Transfers. Chase Campbell from Maryland. He was a all Big Ten honorable mention. Played for DJ Durkin up there with the Terrapins. He's eligible. And Jake Springer, the former Navy defender. Second team all ACC selection in 2019. Was not eligible last season. Now he is. So you combine all these pieces having two camps under their belts, spring and fall. Again, not sitting here saying Ole Miss is going to be the, the SEC's best defense. I think that would be crazy to say. But I'm right there with Lakia Henry thinking this is going to be one of the most improved units in the SEC. And, well, hell, it better be because uh, they were about the worst damn defense in uh, the SEC last, in all the country last season. But sticking with Ole Miss here, final note here, Jeff Lebby, the offensive coordinator, also spoke with the media here, and he gave an update on uh, John Rice Plumley, how that's going at receiver, and then he had some outstanding comments here for Jerry Ely, their running back. We've, we've been talking a lot about John Rice Plumley and kind yep. of his transition. What have you kind of seen from him, and, and has, has the transition been easier, harder than, than you thought, and, and do you see him as, as a major contributor? One, yes, uh, the major contributor part, absolutely. You know, he's going to play a ton of snaps for us. Um, you know, he, he's done a great job through four days. You know, it's like going back to, to the ball game. He practiced five days before going to, to playing the ball game. Now he's he's gotten some good work, spent a ton of time in here this summer once baseball was over, and he's, he's done a good job. So counting on him. All right, so anytime we get one of these stories, uh, you know, like Eli Stowers, I don't think we've mentioned that at Texas A&M, Signed as a quarterback. Now he's working out with the tight ends. We saw it last year with Luke Doty, who signed with South Carolina to be a quarterback. And then he started taking reps at receiver. Now, of course, back at quarterback. But, you know, we really got to give it up to these guys in today's modern era. I mean, this used to be something that happened all the time. But it's just not that way anymore. Where, especially a quarterback, these touted quarterbacks especially, coming into a program, maybe, I don't want to say he's getting hit with adversity, but... I don't think John Rice Plumley envisioned he was going to have to play receiver for Ole Miss here. But, hey, we've heard no complaints, transitioning right over to it, just like Lane Kiffin has said, just like Jeff Levy has said, trying to give him uh, an opportunity to make plays for the Rebels this season, get the ball in his hands. And by all accounts, I mean, he's fully embraced that. So in today's modern era of, of transfers, you know, you got to hand it to, to guys like this that are willing to do what they can to help the team and put the team first over themselves because we just, you know, I, I know that is probably the, that's the most common across the country, but it, it, I don't know. I honestly, I don't even know if that, if I can say that with a straight face anymore, you know? So, uh, you know, I just wanted to make that note. And then of course, you know, Jeff Levy pumping up uh, Jerry on Ely and everybody talks up Matt Corral for good, Good reason there in Oxford, but Jaron Ely, Jeff Livy, hyping up his running back. I thought uh, Ole Miss fans would get fired up to hear this. Uh, he came in with a ton of hype. He's lived up to it, but it uh, sounds like Ely is poised for his best season yet here in Oxford if Levy can get him the ball. Jerion talked a little bit the other day about wanting to expand his role in this offense. Just first off, how's that going? And yeah. second, how do you kind of see his role expanding with that? He needs a football. Yeah. If I'm smart, I'll get him the football. But that, you know, whether it's in the backfield, not in the backfield, wherever it is, the guy needs the ball. He's special, and, and we're going to find ways to get it to him for sure. 
All right, guys. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the show. And uh, we're going to finish strong on Friday. We've got a terrific guest lined up. First time on the show. Really looking forward to this one. I think you guys are going to like it. Going to get on the line with a very special guest here on for Friday's show. So look forward for that. Hey, keep the keep the good vibes going, man. We we appreciate the reviews. They're going through the roof. We appreciate all the feedback on the YouTube. And who knows, sooner or later, Shane's going to show up on one of these videos and shock the world. Uh, people are wondering. <laughs> now there's a contest going on on Twitter. If you, if you missed it, head on over to mine. SEC Mike, I tweeted it out. But uh, people are trying to guess what Shane looks like. With, with gifs and sketches and all this stuff so closest one to the pin i'm saying gets a free koozie so guess what cousin shane looks like and whoever nails it we're gonna send you a beer koozie free of charge and another way of course of guaranteeing yourself one is giving us that five star written review on the apple podcast app it's just our way of saying thanks to each and every one of you but uh, that's gonna do it we'll catch you on the next one